Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt Coyne. I'm the student ministries director here at the church. Uh, if this is your first morning here, welcome. If you came here uh, expecting to hear a well-educated speaker, I'm gonna apologize to you up front. Uh, but I'm sure you're real excited when I'm gonna talk to you now, huh? Uh, but before we start, I have a quick question. Who here, when you were a child, you had something that consumed you, that you wanted really bad, whether that was a toy or a pet or something like that? Anybody have anything like that? Would someone like to share with me just a couple people? Anyone? Raise your hand. Just a couple? I wanna hear, I wanna hear. What? It was a gun, okay. All right, all, all children want a gun, that's good. Well, <laughs> for me, it was 101 Dalmatian from 101 Dalmatian, uh, 101 Dalmatians the movie. I didn't want a real puppy, I mean, I would've been cool with it, but I just wanted one of the little stuffed puppies from the movie. And I, I remember at five years old asking my parents, just like, just please, mom and dad, you don't understand, this will complete my life. This will make my childhood what it was meant to be. And, and it just wasn't happening. So I remember thinking, you know what? It says, they, they tell me in church to pray. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll pray to God for this. And the reason I share this story with you is because this is the first time that I was really disappointed with God. I was upset with him because I'm like, God, you tell us to pray, you tell us to ask you for stuff, and it's not happening. So what's going on here? I don't understand. And like I said, I'm sure we've all had that childhood uh, memory where there's something that you really wanted. And if I can be honest with you this morning, I haven't grown out of that. It's gone from a, a silly toy to something more meaningful in life. This morning you're sitting next to, to, normal, to normal people, maybe some exceptions. Um, but, but what I know is that there are people in this room, there's some who's sitting here with a halo on right now saying, I got it all together, Matt. You don't have to tell me anything. I, Jesus is like just first in my life. There's really nothing that I need to get better at. There's other ones this morning who are saying, I strive daily to live a life for Jesus. I, I struggle, but I know that Jesus loves me, and I, every day I try to be a better person. And then there are others this morning who you, you still don't really have a relationship with Jesus. You're, you're curious, you're saying, I believe what Jesus has done, but I don't trust, I don't have my faith, and I just have not put my hope in him. Wherever you're at, with that spectrum this morning, I can almost guarantee that everybody in here is desperate for something. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're desperate for a more meaningful job, a, a better job, maybe just a job in general. There might be women in this room this morning who are desperate to have a baby, but for whatever reason, you can't. There might be mom and dads in this room this morning that your child has walked away from your family, has walked away from their faith, and you just desperately want them back. You would do anything to have them back to, with your family. There's people in this room this morning that might be struggling with marriages, and you would do anything to make that marriage work, to make it work the way that God intended it. Some this morning just might wanna be married. I'm sure there's people in this room this morning who are desperate for physical healing, not just for yourself, but for a loved one. There might be people in this room that are struggling with addiction. You just desperately want this addiction to stop and you're trying everything in your power to make that happen. For you, those of you who are in school that you want this semester to end, you're just 
crawling to the finish line. You might be struggling with a, a bully in school if, if you're in middle school, high school, and, and you're just like, I need this to end because I can't deal with this anymore. Some of you, even though you're sitting here in a room full of people, you might be desperately lonely. You want companionship, you want friendship. So what I'm saying is this morning, I think we can all say that we're desperate for something. Quick question, who here has ever felt that God has not moved in the timing that they thought he should or has answered a prayer in a, in a time in the way that he should? Yeah, almost everybody. So this morning, what we're gonna talk about is that desperate prayer. If you got picked up a sermon outline, the first uh, two lines on there, I ask, what is your desperate prayer this morning? And I really want you to think about that this morning. If you don't feel comfortable writing it down because you're afraid somebody might read it, I respect that, and that's completely fine. But just think about that desperate prayer. Take a minute and write that down um, or think about it. Just, like I said, be honest this morning because we're gonna talk about this throughout the morning about what that is. So go ahead, take a second, write that down, or just think about what your desperate prayer is. And I'll have this awkward silence as you do that and say other stuff to make it more awkward. Okay, so um, you can still be writing down, still think about that, but I want you to understand that I have a desperate prayer. That's part of the reason that this sermon came to be. Uh, you know, and to understand that my desperate prayer consumes me, probably too much, and I don't wanna go into detail with it, but I will tell you that it hasn't been answered yet, and, and that's okay. This morning, we're gonna talk about a story where Jesus intersects in a big way with a desperate prayer. And my hope is that you'll be able to walk out of these doors with a better understanding of God's love for you, a better understanding of how he works, and, and that he just can do stuff in your life that you can't even imagine if you can just put your trust and hope and faith in him. We're gonna look in John chapter 11. There's these three people in this story, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus, obviously. And uh, these three people are really close friends with Jesus. Lazarus is really sick. Actually, like, he's about to die. He does die in this story. And when Jesus finds out about Lazarus dying, here's the crazy thing. Here's what Jesus does, nothing. Jesus does nothing. And actually, by the time that Jesus does do something, his friend Lazarus is dead, which is gonna make it hard for him to answer the door when he does show up. But the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. So if you've ever thought to yourself, I wonder what God is like. I wonder what his characteristics are like. I wonder just who God is. You have to just look at Jesus, it's real simple. You see, Jesus is 100% man, 100% God. And if you're a math major, you're probably thinking, you're an idiot, Matt, that doesn't make sense. And, and here's the crazy thing. It seems impossible, with God, the impossible becomes the possible. And we're gonna learn five things this morning that I think you can see through this story about the characteristics of God through Jesus, the way that, that God works in our lives. And the first thing is Jesus demonstrates a unique timing. Again, it's surprising, maybe even disturbing, that Jesus doesn't go to his friend right away. John 11, five through seven says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So Lazarus has been dead for four days. Scholars believe that it took a day for the messenger to get there. Jesus didn't do anything for two days, and then it took Jesus a day to get there. Now imagine, put yourself in Mary and Martha's desperate prayer. 
they were, they were thinking, where is he? Doesn't he care? Doesn't he love Lazarus? Like, where is Jesus? I'm sure they were going crazy. And for many of us, I think that's the most frustrating part about faith, that Jesus doesn't abide by this predetermined time schedule that we have created. Think about that desperate prayer of yours. Maybe you feel like Mary or, Mar- or Martha. Where is he? Doesn't he love me? Does, doesn't he care? Why won't he show up? Why won't he answer this the way I want him to? I can promise you this, that Jesus' timing is unique. And he never stops loving you. He can't stop loving you because God is love. God is full of love. People have said I'm full of stuff too, but it's not love. But, you know, I've seen in the past that I have said, Jesus, you need to answer this prayer by Tuesday at 3 p.m. because that's when it needs to be answered and that's what I want you to do. And what's happening is I am taking my trust away from Jesus when I do that. For me, I have learned if I'm gonna trust in Jesus that I have to trust in his timing. Nerd alert time. I'm kind of a nerd with some stuff. And uh, there's a movie that, a set of movies I really like is Lord of the Rings. And in one of the movies, um, from the day I, the first time I saw this, this scene, I will never forget it. Uh, the leader, they're getting ready for a battle, and the leader of the, the, the good guys, I guess you would say, is uh, his name is Gandalf, and he's a wizard. And he shows up for the battle, and the one guy looks at him and goes, Gandalf, you're late. And, uh, and Gandalf goes, no, I'm, I'm, a wizard is never, bleh, never late or early. He arrives precisely when he means to. And I think that is so true with the timing of God, his unique timing that we say, God, you're late. And he goes, no. You don't understand, my timing is perfect. What my plan for you is greater than you can imagine, but you have to trust in me. You have to put your faith in me. To walk with Jesus, we have to walk at his pace. Isn't that what we say all the time? We're on a journey with God, that I'm walking with Jesus. As the old hymn says, he walks with me and he talks with me. We have to walk beside Jesus because if we start walking ahead of him, we're gonna lose, his, we're gonna lose sight of him, we're gonna lose sight of his plans, and we're just gonna start losing our trust because we're walking too far ahead. But I think if we're all truthful this morning, I know me especially, I can say that I have sometimes ran ahead of Jesus. I struggle to to walk beside Jesus because we want stuff to happen when we want it to happen. The second thing that we learn about Jesus in this passage is Jesus offers a bigger life. Jesus says that this huge desperate prayer is just a small thing in the big picture. God's plans are so much bigger than you can see. Take a look here at John eleven twenty through 26. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? What I love here is that Martha has the courage to ask Jesus to his face what we feel. Jesus, where were you? Why didn't you show up? If you would only come sooner, Lazarus would still be alive. And I just love how gentle Jesus is with Martha. And he says, Martha, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Do you believe this, Martha? 
do you believe what I'm saying? Martha's little picture is saying, yeah, one day, you know, he'll rise again when you come, when you come back with everybody else. That's what she's thinking. But Jesus, he knows what he's about to do. And he's, and he's saying, do you believe that I can do this, Martha? See, when we think of eternity, I know for myself, I have thought in the past that, you know, eternity is heaven. But eternity starts when you say, Jesus, I put my trust in you, my faith in you, my hope in you. It starts right there. Because that is when you get to experience the full kingdom of God. That is when you have the opportunity to live a life for Jesus, to strengthen your relationship on a daily basis, to live the way that Jesus wants you to live. I think sometimes we forget that, that there's just so much more that you know, we think, well, our sins were forgiven. And because our sins were forgiven, my eternity is good to go. But we forget about here, we forget about now, that there is just so much more. The kingdom of God is so much more for us to experience, we just have to do it. Say you go to the movies, you go and you spend $80 for your tickets, you spend $60 for popcorn, and then you go and sit down and you watch everybody. You watch the kids playing video games, you're watching people just walk around, and you eat your popcorn, and you get up and you walk out of the movie, you walk out of the movie theater. Well, the next day, your friend says, hey, I really wanna go see that movie. How was it? And you say, I didn't see the movie. I just went in and sat in the lobby. They're gonna look at you and be like, you, you went to the movie theater, but you didn't see the movie? That doesn't make any sense. And I know that's kind of a silly illustration, but that's what I'm talking about this morning. The, that the kingdom of God, we can experience fully. That, you know, the movie theater is so much more than just the lobby. Yeah, it's fun to go and do that stuff if you really wanna spend that much money and do that, but it's so much more than that. It's about so much more. And sometimes I think people who claim to be Christians, you know, say like, yeah, you know, I'm good, but we need to experience the full kingdom of God. And I don't want you to miss out on that, that God's promises are true and his life and a life with him is amazing. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, Martha? In your head, say that to yourself. For me, I would say, do you believe that, Matt? Do you really believe that Jesus can do this? You can say it, but do you really believe it? So with all this said about the kingdom of God, here's what I have to say about that. That I live with the presence of Jesus here in my heart, and I rely on the power of Jesus now. I live with the presence of Jesus in my heart, and I rely on the power of Jesus now. What do I, where did I get that? Big shocker, I got it from the Bible. Ephesians 3, 16 and 17 says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. So what I'm saying is that I don't have to rub this magic lamp for Jesus to appear. appear. I don't have to hold my Bible and be like, and Jesus will pop out of it. No, he dwells within our hearts. When you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And if that doesn't get you excited, maybe this will. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. You ready for this? 
This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. So are you understanding this, that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that beat sin, that conquered death, that rose Lazarus from the dead, that created this universe, that created you sitting in this seat right now, dwells within you. That this desperate prayer that you have this morning, that you're trying to do it yourself, you can hand it over to this same power, this mighty God, and say, God, I can't do this without you. I need you because without you, it's not working. No matter who you are this morning, your power is limited. I hate to tell you because if this prayer is so desperate, don't you think you would have done something about it already? Hand this prayer over. Let God take care of it. Let him because his plan for you is perfect. His, his timing is perfect. His picture for your life is perfect. Jesus has to remind me regularly, Matt, don't limit me. Don't you dare limit me. It's so much more than you think it is. Let me show you. Surrender to me. Walk beside me because I am the resurrection and I am the life. Start living that way, Matt. Do you believe? Do you believe that, Martha? The third thing we learn from this story is that Jesus reveals a heart that breaks. Who here this morning would like to memorize some scripture? I mean, everybody likes to do that, right? Well, we're gonna do it anyways, I don't care. Okay, so John eleven thirty five. 35, everyone say Jesus wept. Okay, you just, congratulations. You just memorized John 30, eleven thirty five. Now, to be fair, we're reading from the NLT version this morning, and it adds the word then, so that's gonna take out myself and about a half of us, so. But at least you got two-thirds of it, that's not bad. Anyways, uh, John eleven thirty three through 36 says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? Remember what I said earlier? That if you wanna see the characteristics of God, you just look at Jesus. Well, God in the flesh weeps. He wept here. But why? Do you think it was because his friend died? I, I don't think so, because he knew what he was about to do. I think his heart broke for Martha. It says that he saw her weeping. His heart broke for Martha. He was so heartbroken. For some of you, you think that your desperate prayer isn't being answered because God is taking a tally of your shortcomings and that's why it's not happening. You have formed this warped view of God. You think he is a scorekeeper and you're on the losing end on it. But I promise you that he never stops loving you and his heart breaks for you. And you might be asking, or might be saying this morning, well, Matt, that's great. But if his heart breaks for me, and he loves me, why won't he answer my prayer? And I'm gonna disappoint a lot of you this morning because I don't know. I don't know why God doesn't answer a prayer the way we want, but here's what I'm gonna tell you. Think of a child who asks their parent, can I go here, can I do this, can I have this, and the parent says no. You can't, I'm sorry. And the child goes, but why? Why can't I have this? Why can't I go here? Why can't I do whatever this is? And the, it, I just don't understand. And the, and the parent says, I know you don't. I know you don't understand. And I would love you to have this, but it just does not, it, I just don't feel that this is best for you. Well, if that's what a, a, loving, love, a loving earthly parent would do, just the, think about what your loving, 
Heavenly Father thinks. That he's looking down and saying, my heart breaks for you. I wish you could have this. I know how much you want it, but there's so much more. There's so much more for you in life, and this isn't part of the plan I have for you. I hope that clears it up a little bit for you this morning, why that does happen. Jesus' display, the fourth thing we learn is Jesus displays a power that transforms. That's kind of a no-duh kind of thing, right? I mean, power transforms. When I was little, my mom, I remember once she said, Matthew, do not put your tongue on the end of a nine-volt battery. And I thought to myself, I'm like, why would I do that? And I was like, why wouldn't I do that? I mean, if my mom's telling me not to do it, it has to be pretty cool, right? So I remember I was playing one day, I took a nine volt battery out of uh, one of my toys, put it on my tongue, and <laughs> I realized real quick why she told me not to do that. Now, if you've ever done that, and if you haven't, don't. <laughs> but if you have done that, you know it's nothing crazy, but it's enough to jolt you, enough to get your attention. Well, we're gonna see here that Jesus uses this power that just blows our thoughts out of the water. This power that transforms, that changes, it's just insane. John eleven thirty nine, 39, uh, 39 to 44 says, roll the stone aside. Jesus told them, um, I'm sorry, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. If you've read the King James Version, it actually says he'll stinketh which I've always liked since I was a little kid. It says, he'll stinketh. Um, the smell will be terrible. He'll smell like a middle, boy, uh, middle school boy after a week at camp. It doesn't say that. Um, but Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Now imagine, imagine that time between Jesus saying, Lazarus, come out, and him actually coming out. You think Martha believed? You think Mary believed? Do you think anybody believed? You think people made fun of Jesus? You think they mocked him? Do you think people doubted? All of a sudden, boom. Lazarus comes hopping out because he's wrapped up in grave cloth, so he's probably hopped. That's how I imagine it, at least. But we know that Jesus has the power, but do we really, truly believe it? Do you believe it enough to trust him that this desperate prayer we're talking about this morning, to give it over and say, Jesus, your power is greater than anything I can ever, I can ever do. I gotta give this to you because I can't do it. You may not answer it the way I want you to, but I know that it's perfect. I know that your picture is bigger than me because with me doing it myself, it's not working. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> as, as Lazarus came out and everybody's seeing Lazarus, do you think Jesus looked at Martha and said, Martha, I know you have been praying for this. I know how desperate it is. My heart broke for you, and I know I didn't meet your timing needs, but I never stopped loving you. I, I can't stop loving you. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Do you believe this now, Martha? I find that I limit the power of God when I fully don't trust in him. I find myself easily saying, I trust in you, Jesus, but then I go to this place of control and worry and anxiety, and I'm not trusting him. And what happens 
as I put my trust into this weak substitute called Matt. So when it comes to you, what are you putting your full trust in? Are you putting it in the power that rose Jesus from the dead? Or are you just saying that and putting it in yourself? The fifth thing that we learn about God through Jesus is Jesus calls a community to help. One of the many things I love about being a follower of Jesus is that I don't have to do it alone. John eleven forty four. so the second part of that verse says, Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. You see, it says them. It doesn't say just Mary. It doesn't say just Martha. It doesn't, he didn't say, Lazarus, do it yourself. You got this far, do the rest of it. Or he didn't say, let me finish this miracle out. No, he wanted them as a community to touch Lazarus, to see this miracle firsthand, to see the power of Jesus firsthand in this raw moment. Maybe community is a little more than just sitting around and talking about the Bible, saying what the Bible says to do instead of doing it. Some of you know in college I played rugby. In my freshman year, I had to run this thing they called the gauntlet in order to make the team. And me and the other uh, freshmen, we trained and we got in shape and, and we worked together to make this happen so that we could complete this gauntlet. In the morning that we ran this, the upperclassmen all cheered us on. They all encouraged us and supported us. And as we all came across the finish line and the last player came across, we were all standing at the finish line cheering this kid on, supporting him, encouraging him. And as he ran across the finish line, we hugged him and embraced him because we knew how hard of a trial that was. We went through it. We knew how hard it was. And I think that's what our relationship, our communion with Jesus should be, is that yelling and sweating and begging. No, not that. Um, but for us to encourage each other, to support one another, you know, for those, to have those people in your life that say, I'm with you. I know you're going through right now. I'm gonna be here to support you. I'm gonna be here to encourage you because I love you so much and Jesus loves you. And I'm gonna be here to remind you that all the time. We have been given a new life in the name of Jesus Christ. But we continue to stay wrapped up in this doubt and fear and shame and guilt and this self-loathing and they're just not the right clothes. Jesus said, unwrap him and let him live walk beside someone who has been unwrapped and is trusting Jesus. And the beauty of that is you can do that right here at New Stanton Church. I'm sure Pastor Josh would love to get you involved with a connect group. And a connect group is a great way to have that, the, that community that, of believers that can walk beside you, that can support you. You can get involved with you know, different missions. We have the Rise Against Hunger, the children's program, youth ministry, shameless plug. But anyways, I'm, I'm, but seriously, we started this conversation with you writing down a desperate prayer, just thinking about it. Read it again, or think about it. I can't promise you that God will answer the way you want him to. I think I've made that pretty clear this morning. But I can promise you that he will never stop loving you, and he will surprise you. We read a passage from Ephesians 3, uh, and I didn't, I stopped at 17, but I wanna pick up back up at verse 18. It says, and may you have the power to understand all of God, or I'm sorry, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with the fullness and power that comes from God. Now, 
all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might think or ask. Don't limit the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. Because as my parents did, at a young age, on Christmas morning, yes, this is the same puppy, I'm dead serious. 20, 27 years later, I had to rip this out of my daughter's hands last night to bring it. <laughs> I'm kidding, I didn't. Jesus may surprise you. He loves you so much. His love is unmeasurable. And what he can do for you is beyond your thoughts. When you focus on Jesus, he won't let you down. He will always love you. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. When I was a child, I thought this Dalmatian puppy was gonna complete my life. I mean, I still have it 27 years later, so obviously it was a big deal. My mom tried to throw this thing away many times, and I said no. I thought that it was, this was so important, but as I have grown in my relationship with Jesus, I have learned that it is so much more than stuff. I'm still desperate for something, but it's for Jesus to transform my heart and live a life for him, to be a better follower, a better spouse, a better parent, a better son, a better brother, a better friend and person in general. That is what I want for each of you, and so does God. I promise you, you hand that desperate prayer over and you put your full trust and faith in God, he will surprise you. He will never stop loving you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this morning? Let's pray. Father God, we just, we just thank you for the love that you have given us, the unconditional love that you never stop loving us. That when we're in this desperate time and a desperate need, God, that we can turn to you because we know you answer our prayers. We know that even though it might not be the way that we want or the way we expect, God, your timing is perfect. Your, picture, your, your life that you have for us is bigger than we can imagine. And that you just, again, love us so much. I pray as we leave here this morning, as we walk out of these doors, that we can remember that, that we can put our trust in you, that we truly do believe this, that when we say it, Jesus, that you work in our lives, Holy Spirit, that you fill us, that we can truly put our trust and faith in you because God, you're the only one. The power that rose Jesus from the grave is available to us, and we thank you. We love you, and we glorify you this morning. In your name, amen.